Welcome back, folks, for your Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly for this weekend of November the 4th, 2022. I'm Chris Temple and joined by the mercenary geologist Mickey Fulp. Uh, Mickey, a big Fed week this last week. Lots of volatility up and down, but the metals at least had a baffle Friday today. Well, they certainly did, but they're basically going up and down with the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar uh, was down something on the order of 100 and, well, 120, 130 basis points in the last 24 hours. So that gave a big pump to the metals. Um, and I think gold probably got hit by a short squeeze today, which also pumped it up a bit. It closed at 1681, and it was in the red uh, until this morning for the week, but it finished up 2.2%. Silver had a really nice run up today to 2089, up 8.6%. Platinum, which was down earlier in the day, closed up at 963, 2.2% rise. And palladium, which lagged all week, uh, was up on the day, but it closed at 1807, down a percent and a half on the week. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think I was watching this uh, later in the afternoon on Wednesday, but at the extreme, and maybe yesterday morning too, I was wondering with the drop in gold if we were going to break below 1600 at one <laughs> point. Well, uh, by the time I saw it yesterday, it was about 1630, but uh, it was has been really weak, and basically... Uh, the dollar dropped like a rocket in the last 24 hours, which kind of spurred uh, gold, and it just kept rising today, which right. is uh, why I say it looks like a bit of a short squeeze going on. Well, it sure smells like, and I think especially the case with silver in, in that regard. Copper interested me as we ended the week. You know, you had the dollar off of the boil that we had immediately after Powell's comments on Wednesday. You've also got... Uh, some signs that China, after being on again, off again, more times than we can count, finally is going to let people get back to work over there, and that, that gave copper, and I think energy also somewhat of a boost. Yeah, copper is up a whopping 13% over the last 24 hours, close at 360, up 4.5%. Uh, but certainly uh, uh, some of that was driven by uh, the... DXY going down and I think I'm going to disagree with you a bit it's the hopes that Chinese demand will increase due to rumors of COVID lockdown restrictions being left lifted so this is is all completely speculative in that regard uh, if we look at the futures they are four cents backward uh, on the near month, second month. So backwardation rules, industrial minerals uh, still have extremely low inventory. So that's part of a macroeconomic driver right there. And Chile is actually expected to produce 3% less copper year over year. So that was also probably a 
Well, Mickey, I agree with you that, that these uh, rumors have been around before. Like I said, we've had these on-again, off-again, COVID-relenting re things from China for months. You know, they, they think they're going to relent, and they shut down again. You think they're going to relent, they shut down again. But uh, clearly, that seems to be what drove some of this action today. It was, you know, a lot of the headlines. And, and I think it also helped... Uh, crude oil somewhat, besides the fact, paradoxically, that uh, the Assistant Treasury Secretary is heading to Europe next week to get with all of our, quote, allies and figure out how to enforce a price cap on Russian oil, which is that the markets at least are already viewing as a laughing stock because oil jumped. Yeah, the oil market's not going to pay much attention to what the Biden administration is doing on the political front, I don't think. Um, oil had a very nice day, couple of days, finished at 92.59. If we go back, it hasn't been that high uh, since the middle, toward the end of August, I guess. So that's a 5% gain. Rigs, plus two, but they are 30% below what they were before the pandemic in January of 2019, which was kind of the peak during uh, the Trump administration. So actually a year before the pandemic hit. Production was off 100,000, close to 11.9 million barrels per day. Stocks were down a whopping 3.1 million barrels. And we are approaching the five-year seasonal demand low once again. Imports basically flat at 6.2 million barrels a day. Refineries flat at 15.6 million barrels per day. Uh, diesel stocks are extremely low. Gasoline stocks are well below their five-year seasonal average. So that does not bode well for energy prices over the winter. And finally, I found this today. Europe burns biomass to produce electricity, and biomass is basically cutting down trees and burning them at, at a rate 150% of the electricity supplied by solar and about half of the electricity supplied by wind. <laughs> so rhetorically, how green is that? You know, the, these people, every time you turn around, there's a statistic like that, Mickey, where for all of their talk about wanting to reduce carbon emissions, their policies have been so disastrous that they're actually doing worse than what they claim that they're trying to fight. Um, you know, on, on, that, on that fuel front real quick, uh, going into winter, we're looking at rationing of heating oil and diesel fuel now, both in parts of the East Coast, especially the Northeast, going into winter. I talked to a subscriber of mine who lives in Connecticut, about 40 minutes from New York City. They're talking about having 35% of the heating oil stocks that they need going into this time of year. And of all the dopey ideas, a couple areas are actually talking about a lottery system. So if you win the lottery, you'll get to heat your home this winter. Just, just a disaster. That's uh, a mess. I, I suppose you're quite happy that you left upstate New York quite a while ago. <laughs> uh, I don't miss it. I miss a lot of the history and the people in my childhood. I sure as hell don't miss the, 
the you-know-what show going on up there these days. Uh, lastly, you don't miss the winters, I'm sure. Not that either. Uh, no, Snow and I have had an amicable divorce in the recent past. <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick before we move on, the uranium price backed off a little bit after a string of gains, but it's still hanging in there reasonably well. Yeah, it's uh, over a buck fifty off its highs about ten days ago. Uh, that's driven by uh, very low utility bids on the spot market. Uh, and also, Sprott came back in for 100,000 pounds of uranium after being dormant for most uh, since sometime around the, the early summer. So uh, as the price went down, they picked up 100,000 pounds, which is not a lot when you hold nearly 60 million pounds. Right. Right, but it's still it's still one of the best long-term stories in front of us. No question about that. Moving on, even though the dollar had a gain for the week, it still was down sharply from where it was. Uh, you know, as Powell was flapping his gums Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, it got uh, well above uh, one thirteen at uh, even somewhere about 25, 26 hours ago, closed at 111.75. That was still a 1% gain on the week. Euro was uh, basically flat at 0.997. The loonie uh, gained in conjunction with U.S. dollar. Uh, it was up 9 tenths percent to 74.20. Uh, Bank of England and the U.S. both increased interest rates 0.75 percent that was certainly expected in the u.s i think it was a bit of surprise on the bank of england pound dropped off a bit uh on that news right 10-year treasury uh was up 16 basis points on the week closed at 4.17 percent and you know, U.S. dollar is the preferred safe haven right now. Well, at least for the time being. You know, our, our theme this week is D is for dilemma, and increasingly Fed Chairman Powell, who walked back some of the uh, items in the official FOMC release uh, when he spoke Wednesday afternoon, he, he still needs to talk and act tough, but increasingly... He's got the political intelligentsia against him, the United Nations against him, a lot of liberals on Capitol Hill against him. Um, it was interesting, Mickey, that we, we got these mixed messages because uh, on the one hand we had uh, the signal, which I figured we were going to get, that they're going to reduce the pace of interest rate increases next month. Yet he also said that the ultimate level before they think about pausing is probably going to be a fair bit higher than what they said even at their September meeting. So you know, we had a point where, and it seems as though in the markets, the two-year note is kind of leading the Fed, kind of dragging them along. We were near 480 on that, and the Fed Fund's futures contract at one point Wednesday afternoon was reached the peak of 5.12%. So maybe we are going to get a five handle on the federal funds rate before the Fed does think about pausing. Well, I don't think they're going to think about pausing. I think we're looking at a three, four quarter percent rise uh, in December. And so that'll take us into the new year. You know, we did pick deals for dilemma. I'm going to give 
uh, props to one of our listeners who wrote a couple of very thoughtful notes to me, uh, which I forwarded to you this week. But uh-huh. here's the dilemma. Raise interest rates, but in conjunction with that, if you're going to get a handle on the economy and inflation, you've got to cut taxes, you've got to reduce the money supply, and you've got to cure the deficit spending. The problem, if you do all four of those, not only in your recession, but here's the real quandary, you cannot service the debt. The interest rate on U.S. debt will be out of control if we get a 6, 6% uh, federal funds rate. So yep. it, it's, it is a dilemma however they choose to solve it. I personally hope he follows the Volcker model because I don't think there's in, any other way to do it. And it's not a particularly uh, nice scenario that we will be facing if that happens. No, it's not. And, I mean, there's a lot of policy things where if, if Powell had any sense, this is a story for another day, he would push things back onto the elected officials and say, hey, there's only so much I can do, but if you guys are throttling, yeah. if you guys are throttling, for example, the increased uh, production of energy and battery metals that would keep gasoline prices down and electric vehicle prices down, what the hell am I supposed to do? So, Well, your point's very well taken there. And, yeah. uh, you know, personally, I'm very happy with what he's doing. Uh, we'll see how low, low he actually swings his package before at some point he may be forced to back off. Right, right. Well, you know, this, the stock market was where most of the red was this week. It was less bad as the week ended. But, uh, you know, it was interesting. We had a, almost a 900-point swing in the Dow Wednesday afternoon from the initial happiness over what seemed like a dumbish, dovish release and then Powell uh, said, no, I'm not done shoving a medicine down your throat yet. Yeah, well, the Fed did what was expected. But in conjunction with that, the market sold off. We had four down days in a row. We were up, up and down today, but we actually finished up in all markets somewhere around plus or minus 1%. Uh, but that's in conjunction with some some not good numbers, in my opinion. Trade deficit was higher than was expected. Uh, PMI, bar- manufacturing PMI, barely above 50, lower than expected. 50 is the breaking point between growth and, uh, and recession. We had... The jobs numbers as expected, but piddling, if you will, something less than a quarter million jobs added. And that's the lowest since 1220, the last time Trump was was in office for a jobs report. So given that, uh, not surprising that the market sold off. Dow closed at 32404, down 1.4% on the week as people move more heavily into blue chips S&P 500 broad based index 3771 down 3.3% the VIX was off a little bit today but it hovered around 25 to 26 all week closed at 24.7 NASDAQ tech stocks closed 
down once again, the most volatile of the major markets, close at 10,475, down 5.6% on the week. And the venture exchange did less bad than the rest, getting some help, no doubt, at week's end from the strong commodities moves. It had a nominal loss on the week, lost three points on the index to 594. Uh, volumes have been quite erratic day to day, but they are quite a lot higher, a couple of, about 2x higher than what we averaged uh, over the last couple of months. And okay. No reason to think that's not really spurred by uh, tax off selling well, at this point. No question that's a part of it. All right, well, next week, we all know that here in the U.S., come Tuesday, we have the midterm elections. Uh, the president uh, telling us that if we vote for Republicans, our democracy is lost. And uh, people that have any sense looking through that and saying, well, why would we vote for the people that got us into this mess? I was just sharing my wife before we came on here that you had this uh, whack job Joy Reid from MSNBC uh, blaming Republicans for the very term inflation, that the average American wouldn't even understand a term inflation if it wasn't for those nasty Republicans. Oh, uh, yeah, well, she obviously <laughs> doesn't uh, drive her own car, fill up uh, at the gas pump, or plug in uh, her EV into the to the garage and soaring electrical costs in the Northeast U.S. <laughs> and she obviously does not go to the grocery store and shop for her own food. That said, next week, and besides the elections, which are guaranteed, I think, to lead to a very volatile market, uh, we've got CPI numbers on Thursday. That's going to be a biggie. Inflation still reigns supreme. And we got the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report on Friday. We do not expect that to be very good. No, I wouldn't think so. And lastly, what's uh, this weekend's poll? Which party do you hope controls the U.S. Congress after Tuesday's election? Choices are the Republicans. Second choice, the Republicans. And their third choice is neither. We are hoping for gridlock. <laughs> well, I've got to go with, uh, what was it? What was number two, Republicrats? The Republicrats. i got to go that way because, you know, the, the late George Wallace famously said there's not a dime's worth of difference between both parties, but these days there is. And um, so I, I, I've got to vote for, vote for uh, or hope for a Republican sweep in the House and Senate. Yeah, I guess i got to agree with you. I'm not a registered Democrat, nor am I a registered Republican, nor am I a registered Libertarian, but I tend to think uh, on the Libertarian uh, platform. Right. So. Okay, well, it'll be interesting, and we'll, of course, run it all down as we need to with the markets uh, next Friday. So, Mickey, thanks. Have a great weekend, and you folks have a great weekend. Thanks, Chris. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at mercenarygeologist.com and on Twitter under at MercenaryGeo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at nationalinvestor.com and on Twitter it's at natinvestor. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.